hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Kanja Book Club, the weekly Star Wars book club podcast brought to you by the Utini Podcast Network. This is the show where we intentionally experience Star Wars stories together one month at a time. Today, we are talking Greater Good by Timothy Zahn, chapters 15 through 20. This is episode number 36, and I am one of your hosts, Timothy Guthrie, and I am joined this week by insignificant Zodalak family member, Zodal Adam Dysonaro. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm going pretty good. Just showing your lack of empathy there for the lesser families, Timothy. Listen. You're just confirming. You're just confirming what I believe of of how you view those lesser families. Yeah, I, I just want to say it took me a long time to practice saying that name. So I feel like I, I feel like I need some props right now. There's there's yeah. apostrophes and everything in the show notes. So. You did a good job. Ten out of ten. Thank you. Right. Thank you. If you're looking for some sympathy, there looks to be a coat behind you that you can hug. <laughs> you're right. Ooh. <laughs> that's tough. That was tough. Oh, man. And the ooh in the background coming from our navigator who can see double vision into the great presence when he's drinking. We have Patrick McIntosh of Virginia. How are you, sir? I can see the liquor store three blocks down the corner and I want to get one too special. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wait, 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 wait. Coming in the force. Never mind, it's aristocrat. Stay away from it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you can sense giant Ford pickup trucks coming at you. You you dodge them swiftly. It's just right? wonderful. The F one fifties with the lift kits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're extra loud. Oh, you know, you know they walk in the dealership and they're like, Give me the loudest thing you've got on the lot. <laughs> And they're so slow too. It's just like they're gonna sit there. They're like, "What are they doing?" Twenty miles an hour. I was gonna say something, but it's not appropriate. Oh no, we saw we saw the pinky. We saw it. (laughs) Oh man. Well, and finally, we are once joined once again by our master strategist, only rivaled by the Admiral Thrawn himself. We've got Utini Patreon Jedi High Council member Cheryl Bell with us. Cheryl, how you doing, friend? I'm all right. I'm a little tired. And that was a, those are some big shoes to fill that you just gave me, but I will try my best. <laughs> hey, I, I firmly believe in you. Um, your ability is unparalleled on this show. In fact, I think you're the only one that speaks any truth among the three of us. So <laughs> the rest of us are full of lies, deceit, and nothing but hate, hatred toward each other. So no. just a little bit. Well, I'm glad that y'all are all here and I'm glad to have all of our friends joining us in the chat and listening to us wherever you are. Now we are live in discord every Saturday at 3 PM Eastern and our episode to the T network feeds every Tuesday morning, sometime right around midnight. How are you listening to us? Glad you're here. A couple of updates, Adam, we got a big one. How about you hit us with it? So we've hit a thousand members on discord. What? For some reason. Yeah, all those, The Living Force, Legends, all those shows are bringing them in. So all the ones that we lose from our show, we just we keep bringing them in from the good shows, you know, just, yep. just all these people. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we had a big gain in fans when Cheryl jumped on the show, so. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I will say, um, going back and looking at my at, at our podcast statistics, they've been our highest listened to episodes so far. So That does not surprise me. Mm-hmm. 
So we, we got to they do really hate us. Yeah, they really <laughs> they really hate us. We we talk about like Revenge of the Sith and we get like I don't know four or five listens. <laughs> we have Cheryl okay, on the show. Yeah. We get like forty seven. <laughs> <laughs> your revenge of the ship your revenge revenge of the wow your revenge Story of the, of the show. coverage we just, we just lost a few it was like one of my favorites i know right it's just all down here we do high to up and fair, now it's to be fair we did like the best book that arguably <laughs> at our worst written for this universe yeah like, <laughs> at our very like freshest most awkward teenage phase of this whole thing like yeah we were in podcast puberty yeah. Our voice was still getting like breaking at certain times like we're talking about when the force um yeah. <laughs> we're we're probably we're getting, getting like stuff like that when we hit like a, really awkward yeah when like we our did, mom but... kept our moms kept trying to give us cookies and milk it just got weird <laughs> whenever we hit like 100 <laughs> episodes or 200 episodes or something like that we should go back and like redo it <laughs> Be like, because we <laughs> yeah. clearly didn't do it justice the first time uh no we, but um between that and kenobi we have to redo mm, mm. we actually like a remastered version actually i've got an idea about this we'll talk about it post show come may, maybe something be, in the I pipeline like the lesser known masterpieces as well maybe like air to the jedi that is definitely involves a whole month of talk i hope that that <laughs> never comes up in a community pick <laughs> And I'm looking at your face, and I know you're going to be the one to put it out there. You're going to come yes, in and pad yes. the Discord numbers with a couple of fake accounts, and you're going to vote Heir to the Jedi through, and we're going to do nothing but talk about noodles. No. And then all the patrons with their taste will just won't vote for it. Oh, man. Noodles, Mike. Noodles. That's what we're here for. No. Um, book schedule updates. We're going to finish Greater Good next week. I'm so sad, but it's such a good book. I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, in June, we're going to be covering the Age of Rebellion limited comic series. And I guess I can go ahead and spill the beans a little bit. One, maybe two of those weeks. We're still confirming the dates. The one and only Emma Park is going to be joining us. And I am so freaking excited. Um, She is mastermind of our YouTube channel. She is killing it on the Cosmic Force, uh, building the bookshelf. I mean, like there is no limit to what she can do. And we're going to get her on Ganja Book Club. I kind of feel like it's going to raise our status a little bit having her on. Um, I mean, there's only so much higher that we can go after having Cheryl. But I feel like Emma, like she's right there. Emma's like, great. Like going back to back, mm. Cheryl and Emma in my, yeah. like, oh man, oh man, yeah, we're, that's we're good. Killing it. Awesome. Yeah. So, exactly, Brett. Yeah, yeah. We, we we keep bringing on these amazing guests, but like we're down there, so like Air to the Jedi is up here, and then we're here. <laughs> <laughs> we're beneath Air to the Jedi. <laughs> the oh, words man, of Kendrick no. Lamar: There is levels to this. Yeah, there definitely. <laughs> We're going to take a little bit of a break, and then we'll come back in July to cover The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott. Um, The prologue was released on that, and it's heartbreaking. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. They've released a handful more excerpts, and I am not going to try to read them anymore because I want to go in as fresh as possible. Um, But, oh, my gosh, I'm super excited. So, Oh, Adam, you forgot forgot the most important update. You added um, a new little fuzzy family member to your life. I do. He's sitting behind me. A little miniature dash hound named Snickers. (laughs) Snickers. He did not get a Star Wars name because I wasn't allowed to name him. 
That's my just... daughter named him. Okay, it's a very fine. touchy subject. The name. <laughs> mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I understand, but but giving giving your daughter preferential treatment, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Whatever she says goes. So, oh man, well, all all about the uh, the puppy love, the animal love. Um, you need to be putting all the pictures in the animal friends chat here in Discord, because uh, I'm sure that we will all absolutely go go ape over over little snickers oh he's the cutest thing all possible yeah, look, look at him puppy kisses no. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not here to talk about greater good I've, no we're here for the puppy <laughs> geode and puppy talks geode mm. and snickers that's a buddy cop movie if i've ever heard a pitch for one new star wars podcast like a... puppies and star wars yeah <laughs> There's, make, um, believe it or not, there's animals. a population for it. <laughs> there's a... <laughs> on the internet. There's something for everybody. True that. True that. Well, <laughs> the people in our sector of the internet are here to hear us talk about Greater Good, chapters 15 through 20. This is going to be your spoiler warning. So if you haven't read the book and you plan to do so soon, continue at your own risk. All right, in this week's memory sections, bird migrations and mountain sites are not at all what Haplift cares about. Yopelneck, even, finds himself less fond of Yomi throughout the adventure, though he is aided by Haplift's urging that he's delaying opportunity on Selwis. They're running out of time to meet with Jixtus, so Haplift's partner finds a way to poison Yomi during the migration events. As Haplift briefly touches her while she is fatigued, she senses his ability and understands the manipulation at play. Haplift manages to get rid of her, convincing Yopelneck that she's off on her own for the best of the both of them. And when he's not paying attention, Haplift dumps her body out of the airlock along with all of her belongings. Hashtag justice for Yomi. We then see a meeting with Kilori of Uandalan, Jixtus, and Haplif. Kalori wants a future, so he agrees to go along with the plan of tricking the Selwis leadership with the whole mining thing. Haplif's plans will lead to military conflict, but Kalori wants to be far from it, especially because Thrawn is likely to be involved. Jixtus agrees to keep him away from the fight and deciphers that either the Chiss have navigators of their own in hiding, or they have other means of travel, maybe a computer navigational system from lesser space. I don't know. However they do it, Jixtus wants to know about it. In the present day, the Springhawk is searching for the Vigari, but it's such a tenuous task that even Sherry's getting bored. Suddenly, they come out of hyperspace to find a battle in progress. The Watif people are on board, a troubled freighter, and when they call for help, Thrawn refuses. The attacking gunboats then turn on the Springhawk, so he opens fire. When the dust settles, we learn that the Watif are setting up a long-range transmitter, since the Patatas won't let anyone near use theirs. Thrawn is able to gather that there's a Vigari base nearby, and the Watif offer to take him, but he wants to study the wreckage and their ships first. They're not thrilled about it, but it happens anyways. Thrawn checks in on the Magus to note any possible similarities in the Watif's clothing to hers, and when he won't divulge the plan to Thalius, she reveals her meeting with the Myth Patriarch, the one from Chaos Rising, in that epic scene, and how she is charged to watch over him. This gets Thrawn to reveal their current situation, mostly that he feels like they're walking into a big trap. With the uncertainty ahead, Thalius needs to keep this information to herself so as to not distract Sherry. On Selwis, Counselor Lukuviv is shocked that the moon slash planet with the Nyx is only being used for jewelry. 
When Haplif reveals that the Agbui are the only ones in care of the mines, it's time to start making things official. The Agbui are weak and in need of protection, so Lakuvi will carefully reach out to the hierarchy with his request to seize the mines for the family. If things go south with the Patriol and Patriarch, Yopal next suggests calling a family emergency and recalling some Zodlak family members from the EDF for assistance back home. Things definitely go south, so Lakuvi tricks the Patriol, holding her hostage, and uses her codes to order the family emergency. What in the world? Meanwhile, Arlani and Lakinda are around the darkened refugee planet, wondering where the enemy is, when an asteroid comes by. Since it could be a hidden missile, they play it out with the Grey Shrike jumping in system to get behind it in an effort to disable and retrieve it. When they see the Vigilance suddenly skirmishing against the same battle dreadnought Thrawn had dealt with earlier, Lakinda leaves the missile behind, against Arlani's wishes, and comes to her aid. Having to readjust her plan, Arlani baits the Dreadnought Captain to focus on her, which allows Lakinda to sneak in and take out several important systems. When the enemy realizes they're doomed, they blast the missile and self-destruct the Dreadnought. All of these unknowns are coming out of nowhere near the Ascendancy, and it is absolutely unsettling. As they discuss the aftermath, Arlani informs Lakinda of her orders from Shilla to assist Thrawn with the Vagari. Even if she doesn't particularly like Thrawn, she prepares to go to his aid anyways. Not long into the prep, though, Lakinda meets with a Zodlak family member on board the ship. He gives her a box to deliver to Thrawn, because he can no longer do it himself with the sudden call of a family emergency on Selwis. When he explains the notice, Lakinda decides to go with him, and allows the Greyshrike to meet Thrawn without her. The box contains a brooch, but it too can travel on without her. It's time to restore honor to the family. And speaking of family, Myth Syndic Prime Thurfian is in the middle of solving another dispute. This one involves the Universal Analysis Group and fish. But that's no matter, because he is still receiving congratulations from above. Speaker Thyclo personally walks in to say job well done, and when she leaves, Thurfian mulls over the rumor that she may soon be retiring. If he keeps proving his worth, maybe he'll take her place one day. So this was an extremely dense... I feel like section um, a lot of depth to everything that's going on. Um, it's just a lot. Um, all really good though. I kind of want to start talking about Thrawn first. So he is nothing um, if not careful and patient. Um, and it clearly works out for him like through this point so far. Um, I think some would argue that he tends to feel a bit, bit too overpowered, um, but I think we're seeing something different in this section. He has everything together, but he's a bit more vulnerable, like maybe even uneasy, especially after his talk with Thalius. Uh, they could be walking into a trap. So Cheryl, I'll, I'll start with you. Did you sense his unease and what do you make of it? Like, why might this situation feel different from other battles strategies? I personally didn't pick up on unease. But maybe caution? Okay. But he's resolved to eliminate this threat, trap or no trap. And he's confident in his analysis. But maybe you're picking up on his thoughts of his crew's unease with the his analysis of the situation. But even in that, I think he's got to be used to that by now. I mean, he's always like 10 steps everyone else being able to figure out the puzzle but i think we're just maybe seeing him having pressure on himself to really read the situation and in making the right call because the vagari represent a foe that has not yet been fully resolved for him mm. and half a victory is also half a defeat for thrawn mm. so there's there's some added pressure behind like this isn't just a normal skirmish like there's there's a history behind this that he's gotta gotta resolve somehow 
Yeah, I, I can see that. Adam, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I don't think that I sense any personal unease, but I definitely could not put it any better than Cheryl did, and that's why we have Cheryl as a guest on the show. <laughs> you are absolutely right. <laughs> I'll just go back to muting myself. Thank you. <laughs> Fair enough. Patrick, did you catch any unease there? Um, were you sensing anything that I'm sensing? I didn't know if it was considered unease, how I'd put it, but it was very like, you know how he, like in Rebels, they show his calculating mind working mm-hmm. and he suspects something and it's not so much unease, but it's his mind just work. It feels like it's just working on all the possibilities and he's that very calculating, very tactical, organizational and positional person where he's always thinking of each board piece on the chessboard. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I don't think it makes him uneasy. I just think it makes his mind work. Yeah, that makes sense. I think in my head, I guess I I was, for some reason, I think I, I kind of hung up on the fact that he acknowledged that they were probably walking in on a trap when usually he'd just be like, hey, we're walking in on a trap. But he's like, I think we're walking in on a trap. <laughs> um, it seemed like to me there might have been a little bit of a hesitation almost. But I think that Cheryl's point about having this unresolved kind of conflict there's just so many unknowns um maybe with it and maybe this next question might help tie up some of that i don't know um and cheryl i'll come to you with this one first as well so what was it about the conversation with thalius um that made him change his mind in revealing the current situation to her uh one i think she has the ability to approach as a friend rather than a subordinate he certainly tells her you're not one of my officers And then I think when she says, the patriarch asked me to look after you, that caught him by surprise. Mm. A surprise that made him smile, I might add. Um, I think he sees that the patriarch trusted her and he saw, and that the patriarch saw that Thrawn and Thalius have a connection and friendship. Um, Thrawn doesn't really have many friends. He Mm. doesn't really fit in. And Thalius genuinely likes Thrawn. And we all need those moments where we can talk shop with those we can just relax with. Yeah. And the moment Thalius says, no, you're political enemies, reminds Thrawn that he does need his friends sometimes. In this moment, it sort of got him out of the work mode he was in and got him to just pre- briefly like pause for a sec, I think. And I just have to say that I also love, again, in this moment, when he gave her his beginning thoughts but wanted her to try to figure out how he came to the analysis that he landed at, yep. prompting her with perhaps and, mm-hmm. and to get her to try to look for the right clues and to figure it out and then says, or perhaps it means X, Y, Z. And I just, I just love it when he does that. It's my favorite. He just, he wants you to observe and learn how to evaluate the scene. And it's like an invitation to join him on the journey alongside and not just from behind. Yeah. No, that's excellently put. Um, I think one of the things that you brought up that I hadn't necessarily thought about was his relationship to Thalius being almost more friendly than it is, um, you know, that kind of subordinate role. And not even that, like, Arlani is considered a subordinate, but, like, you're still talking shop whenever they're conversing, in a sense. But there's, like, a, a, a deeper trust, almost, between him and Thalius than there would be with anyone else. Um, that's a really interesting way of, of putting that. I really like that. Not that I, I, I think he also immensely trusts yes. Arlani. 
Yeah. But he can talk with her in a different way because she's also at the same level as him. Like she's in the same position as him within the EDF, whereas Thalius isn't. Right. Yeah. She's this kind of outside influence, which is, is really cool. Yeah. Mike, a hundred percent agree. Thrawn would have been a great, a great school teacher in another life. And then Freddie gives him a title, which is professor of business strategy and part-time at the art museum. (laughs) (laughs) A thousand percent, Freddie, thousand percent. Patrick, um, what do you, what do you have to say about all this? You know, did, did you notice that there was something special about Thalius that would have kind of changed his mind into revealing this, this plan after all? I feel like it was always building up to this, like from the beginning mm. of this, of this book, like, especially when I go back to a few sections before to um when they first speak to the mages, that's when you I kind of first noticed that trust with Thalius and um, Anthron and, I think they've been doing a good job of leading up, of hinting up this trust that's been building up between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was something that I hadn't really thought about until I read this section in that eventually Thrawn's going to find out about her con- conversation with the Patriarch, I guess. And I thought it was excellently used here that it was in this particular manner that, that she's like, hey, yo, I'm <laughs> I'm an inside girl. I got you. Uh, but also you need to tell me stuff. Adam, you got any thoughts you want to add on to this? Yeah, I think it just it, the conversation just came from that foundation of respect, I think. And when she was willing to divulge that information, which really is quite a, a big secret on her part, I think to him it showed that there was a willingness there to to be that truthful with him. And I think that respect grew and he was willing to then take her through the plan. And as Cheryl said, not just tell her the plan, but allow her the chance to figure it out by herself. Yeah. With just a little bit of prompting. Yeah big fan of all of those teachable moments from from Thrawn Um, and someone who could probably use some better teachable moments I think let's talk about Lakinda for a bit Um, she really beats herself up um, over leaving the missile behind when she goes to Arlani's aid Um, she even says something about how Thrawn wouldn't have missed Arlani's intended use of it Um, And then when asked if she wants to help Thrawn, she kind of fumbles a bit like through her distaste um, and wonders where she fits within the Arlani Thrawn dynamic learning scheme. Cheryl, like Lakinda's observant, but I I don't know that she's learning from her mistakes. Um, Would you agree with that? And if so, what's holding her back? I think misplaced ambition is holding her back right now. When you're a member of the EDF, your allegiance is supposed to be to the ascendancy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like her yearning for family glory is muddying her thoughts too much. It's Mm -hmm. like a constant pull that she almost gets like distracted by. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if Lakinda can achieve the rank of Admiral and have no more family ties, that her tactical ability would benefit from that. But I just don't know if she's going to be able to get there. She seems hellbent on achieving glory, and sometimes I think that desire seems to negatively affect her choices in the present. Mm, that is excellently put. She's it's she's kind of uh, torn between two masters, as it were. Um, she mm-hmm. can't she can't seem to fully please please both of them. Um, yeah, Adam, uh, would you agree with that assessment? Like, is is she just trying too hard to achieve both at the same time? Maybe. Yeah, now that the professor has pointed it out, I definitely agree with that. I was looking more at the personal self-doubt. I think she just carries with herself inherently. And um, 
I think working around someone like Thrawn would just just expedite that feeling a little bit. And I think that, like, you know, Samacro looks at Thrawn and kind of disagrees with Thrawn on just because Samacro is like EDS, like he'd die on that hill. But he just sees Thrawn as doing things a little too differently. I think this is probably why others don't really like Thrawn is that because if they already have these feelings of inadequacy when they're probably around him, those feelings are magnified. Mm. Um, and that he just has that involuntary ability to just kind of drive those through the roots a little bit. That's how I, that's how I looked at it as well. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and one of the things that I think of within the feelings of inadequacy, even if they are, very much internalized, I think that's still a learned behavior from her. Like she's been impressed within her family unit for so long. Like all we do is bring glory. And so every time that she doesn't meet that standard set by the family, right, she's feeling the internal pressure from herself. But a lot of that's because of the external forces within the family that are just shoving her down. Of You are not worthy. You are not good enough to be a part of this. Um, well, it's just, it's part of their culture. Yeah. Yeah. It's really intense. The glory is a part of their culture. It's not necessarily that they're telling her you're not good enough. It's just that that's what's so esteemed. Right. Yeah. She's just not matching up. So, Patrick, I saw you making some fun faces a minute ago. What do you think about Olakenda here? I was agreeing with what Cheryl had said. Mm. As, as we all should. taking all the good points from me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think we answered it already, but you know, she agrees to help Thrawn and, um, but then instead of like, instead of staying with Arlani, but then she bails to end up helping her family. And even if the whole situation is a bit weird and secretive by, um, you know, answering that family emergency, like, does she seem to be wishy-washy to you, Patrick? She does. She's uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't describe it another way other than yeah, she is. Yeah. She is. And again, like, I think we kind of answered it. Just she's trying to appease both of these these groups, her family and the EDF at large. And she keeps fumbling through it. Um, it's mm -hmm. like this one's going to be important. They can't both be important at the same time for the things that she's trying to do. And it, it's muddying those waters. Um, I guess. What's the yeah. um, what's the, um, the Bible verse? You cannot slay for two masters. Yeah. Shout out, Jared. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, you can't. Like, you will literally drop the ball somewhere yeah. between one of them. Like, yeah, like, for her character, her choice to go makes total sense because family glory is her driving ambition. Mm -hmm. So I think it's too good a lure for her to pass up. And so I wasn't surprised that she chose to go, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and there's the... Uh, Freddie, I'm pretty sure that's a Matthew... But Jared will correct us. Um, yeah, I think one of the the oh, I had a thought. There, there's no such thing as multitasking, right? Like it's just switch tasking. Like there's no way you can actually do two things at the same time. You always have to switch from one to the other. And any time that you change your processes, it takes a little bit to like reboot up and to go into something you know pretty intently. Up to this point in the story, what are we supposed to take away from her. Adam, I guess I'll come to you first. Um, I feel like there's a lesson to be learned in what she's, her situation. Like, what what is that? Um, I think one of the biggest ones that I was looking at for this question is the difficulties that come with their structure politically in their families and, and the families and how it mixes with the ADS. She's the perfect example of how it can affect an individual and affect it, like, personally, professionally, um, 
but I think she's struggling with it, and I think this is we're meant to see it and see the problem with it. Yeah, I it almost makes me wonder, like, how could they have done this better? Like, we know that they have these like family fleets back home. Like, should you just decide, hey, I'm going to serve the family fleet, or I'm going to go to the EDF and like give up my family allegiances? Like, I don't know. How do, how do you think that ought to work? Like, I think that would be the quickest fix is that once you enlist. And you get to a certain point, perhaps in your initial training, then that's it. You are now the EDF and et cetera. But um, I think the idea of having these nine ruling families, nine ruling families have their own fleets, other families have derelict ships. Like it, the idea, that idea would just never go through. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like, you know, you watch Game of Thrones and every lord and his lady has their own little army. And that, that worked out really well. So... Mm. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm very interested to see where her story ends up because she's like she's in here for a reason and I feel like that there's something that we're supposed to take away and that yeah we we can't do both like there's some misplaced loyalty misplaced allegiance or something in, within this could that yeah. be the takeaway yeah yeah very possibly Cheryl I mean what I, what I take away is just seeing how chess culture plays until they're into their military life mm-hmm. I mean chess politics and striving for family honor and glory is such a driving force throughout their lives how do you navigate that once you join a military force that says now your focus should be to the ascendancy as a whole that allegiance shift isn't going to happen overnight and it may take longer for some over others and I think we're just seeing that fully fleshed out here with Lakinda and it's just a part of her journey yeah she homegirl needs to work on her work-life balance i think is what, what we're yeah. getting at. <laughs> she has very poor work-life balance <laughs> um looks like patrick froze a little bit it's probably because he's posting uh gifs of people getting run over in golf carts um, which is hysterical <laughs> <laughs> the, i need to screenshot this actually there we go all right <laughs> it's a fantastic face well whenever he comes back uh We'll we'll get his thoughts on all this. Uh, we don't have anything to report on the Magus and the refugees this week. Um, nothing really happened there except for Thrawn's wanting to, you know, get some tabs on her clothing to see if it matched anything from the Watifs. Um, but let's talk about Hapliff and the Agbui. Once again, a fantastic band name. Um, and let's pour one out for poor Yomi. Uh, that was just... It was cold. It was absolutely brutal. Um, we knew that this would not end well. Um, but Adam, did you see her going out like this? Like, out in airlock with all of her important drawings full of information. Um, and do you think there's any chance that someone finds her stuff in this random area of space? Space is pretty big, Timothy. <laughs> it is. I think it'd be... I'd, hey, to fit the narrative, naturally, uh, but I think it just... I think the galaxy is a little too big in terms of like Yomi's four. I think, yeah, as we were reading it, I, I didn't think it would end well, but I thought it would end on a planet they were visiting and it'd be some kind of accident or mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like Mufasa getting run over by a, like a bunch of animals, but you gonna like make me the cry. attack and but the attack and her death was just so personal. It yeah. was like, we knew that Hapleaf was a piece of shit and then like just the description by Zahn of her death and of his just like the hands around the throat. It was very graphic and just very personal for Hapleaf. And yeah. then just the 
she was nothing to him. He just tossed her like it was trash. So unceremonious. Like that is it's just like brutal. And that's and I think that I think that was like the main thing. I thought it'd be like Hadley's partner that got creative much like she did with the migration. But um yeah, I didn't expect it how it went down. Yeah. I remember watching the the Greater Good channel in Discord and like before I had finished reading anything and all I could see was memory six. And it's complete spoiler tags. Memory sick. Spoiler tag. Spoiler tag. Memory sick. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like, brutal. People had some thoughts about this. Cheryl, how how did you feel about poor Yomi? <laughs> Jaw agape when I read that passage. Like, dude just straight up murdered and yeeted her out of the hatch like yes. a piece of trash. Like Adam said. Like. And so brutal and cold about it. And like, I mean, smart because he destroyed all the evidence with her body and no clues were left. But like, if someone finds her, that would be like finding a body in the middle of like a vast national park or something. Like, I don't know, slim odds, but like, uh, could be dumb luck. Maybe that someone comes upon her body, but like, are dead bodies perfectly preserved in space because there's no air? Like, I wonder about decomp. Yeah, I don't know. Jared said, what if she comes back with spider legs? (laughs) (laughs) i would expect that she would leave the second season mandalore just saying (laughs) yeah yeah patrick it looks like you are back welcome maybe maybe not poor guy he's figured it out get back into everything (laughs) (laughs) oh man well is cheryl i'll stay with you is is Yopelnik really this ignorant to just assume that his partner like just left without talking to him like yikes (laughs) I mean, to be fair, he's young, and this gap year is probably the first time he's exclusively spent all of his time with Yomi, exclusively, Mm. and dude just probably needs a weekend to himself. But he's also (laughs) being heavily influenced and manipulated by Hapleth at the same time. So, yeah, like, I was like, red flag, red flag, red flag. And I think he just wanted to do something for himself, finally, and ignored his gut reaction because he was just excited to finally he wanted to do Mm. and i mean i get it we all ignore those red flags from time to time in our life but like yeah i was like "Ooh, honey (laughs) yeah needs a needs a quick check uh patrick jumped in into the chat so that his internet just died which is great um he is missing all oh we can i can i can hear you hey what's up man come back (laughs) we 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 are we're you're missing or actually i guess if you're here you can technically see all of the uh yeeting gifs that <laughs> that have been brought into the discord um uh my absolute favorites are yes definitely adams of <laughs> rafiki yeeting baby simba <laughs> off of pride rock and then jared with the the textbook pokemon yeet as well yeah yeet <laughs> This this is not how I thought we'd be discussing Yomi's passing. <laughs> uh, just gets. I'm yeeted. sorry, I used the word yeet. Okay, no, it's no. my fault. Yeet, yeet is is well, yeet is perfect. Yeet is fine. <laughs> we are yeet. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Um, well, we get Patrick. I, I guess you, you can hear us and everything, right? You're here, here. I can now. I okay. missed the whole section that led up to the yeet. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we were talking about Yomi being yeeted, and uh, I just want to know if you had any thoughts on on Yomi's Yomi's st- current status. Rip. Oh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. When she um, 
in the audiobook when she uh gets like yeeted out the air like I laughed. You laughed. <laughs> you savage person. <laughs> like I'm not gonna lie. It just sounded like I could just see her. It seems like in my mind, I could just see her just getting like shot out of a cannon in space. Like, <laughs> <laughs> goodness, <laughs> Patrick, I love you so much. Oh, so great, <laughs> just like Spartan kicked. Just this <laughs> is the EDF. <laughs> oh god. Uh, we, I'm so glad you're a part of this show on a weekly basis. <laughs> highlight of my week seriously oh man um mike brings up a very important question is this a good time to bring up the endless question of is the past tense of yeet is it yeeted or is it yote yeeted yeeted or yote it's yeeted with some tennessee in it you gotta put some country in it that boy done got yeeted off a 20 foot cliff he said Jimbo watch this and that's how I knew that boy was going to do something stupid <laughs> alright I think yeeted it is I mean yote mm-hmm. yote does sound um, I feel like yote is for the uppity like that's high class that's too scholarly for... yeah, yeah, yote yote is the academic um, that's yote. probably what is boy, in the dictionary November. but and we, we're not looking we're not looking for academic when talking about the murder here. <laughs> Yote is in Webster's. Yeeted is on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> mm. uh-huh. Timothy, you don't yote until November, son. That's when the president gets picked. Oh, man. <laughs> let's, let's talk about um, our... I don't know. I don't know what to call them. The What would you call Kalori, Jixtus, and Hapliff? Like a bad Three Musketeers or something? I don't know. Um, But let's talk about them. We get a meeting with three of those guys. Um, The whole Minds on the Planet tour is a scam that we saw um, in one of the earlier sections. And we talked about this briefly a couple weeks ago. But the length of these schemes is just nuts. Like, Hapliff's got his work cut out for him. Um, And it was even Hapliff's idea to institute the family emergency. So, as great as all of these plans are, um, Kilori rightfully wants to be hands-off as much as possible. Adam, how did he get caught up in all of this, and why does he continue, especially knowing that he's not supposed to be doing this kind of thing as a member of the Pathfinders anyways? I guess he's uh, kind of moved away from that chaos rising where he was always thinking about his guild and perhaps getting kicked out of his guild that the fear of Jixtus maybe has kind of overtaken any kind of professional, you know, professional career growth. He's like, mm. I'm just going to do whatever I need to do. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I like breathing just fine. I'll continue with <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> this, exactly, this dude, yeah. this dude freaks me out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cheryl, would you and, agree with that? Yeah. I mean, he just, he just, cause he doesn't want to die. Yeah. That would be my answer. Uh, like, I, th- I think Clory is just also kind of greedy. And he's, as long as, like, he doesn't seem to particularly give a shit as long as he ends up okay. So. Mm-hmm. You know who he reminds me of? What's that? They remind me of, like, in my mind, I can envision them as, like, blue-skinned Ed, Ed and Eddie. <laughs> Together. Good guy. Yes. They, they seem to be a little bit more intelligent, though, right? Or is that the brilliance of Ed, Ed and Eddie this whole time? I mean, Double D was a genius. He was just around morons. 
<laughs> well, I feel like Ed wasn't stupid. He was just greedy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jared makes a comment. This is this episode has been bananas. And I don't think we've ever had another episode where we have mentioned Yeet, Ed, Ed, Nettie, um, Pokemon. Uh, and Jesus. And Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> all, all in the same thing. Uh, we're just, we're just embracing who we are now, Timothy. Oh, Mike, Mike said we needed to get naked palps in here. Freddie's talking about renaming Utini to Yeetini. <laughs> I'm here for it. No, that's that's what happens if you get fired from Utini. You get a pink slip that says Yeetini. <laughs> um, we need to get Jose to uh, to make a, a mock-up pink slip with this. It's a Yeet slip. It's a Yeet slip. slip. Our, yes! our video, Yo. our video extraordinaire Ryan creates a animation of like your face getting kicked out the door. Or <laughs> no, what's um? Y'all seen the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Of course you have. You're all my age. Um, what's it when Jazz gets tossed from the mansion? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, 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 hold on, uh, that's coming to the chat. Um, Anyone puts in there before me, they're getting yeeted from the chat. <laughs> Yeah, you see how that works? Gotcha. Oh, gotcha. man. Um, <laughs> also, I do want to mention, it, it might have been a little thing. I don't know. Um, what do you make of Jixus's secondary goal of figuring out how the Chiss navigate hyperspace? Like, he even mentions Lesser Space's use of computer navigational systems, and it seems to me like there might be a bigger play here. Cheryl, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, well, if you think about it, a formidable villain to be able to figure it out. Mm. I mean, like, they don't always hire navigators, so how the heck do they navigate the chaos if they don't always do a jump-by-jump, jump, right? So I think it's just, like, you can't fully unseat the big powerhouse unless you know all their secrets. So yeah. the Chiss Ascendancy isn't, like, an easy target, so he needs to gather all the intel he can to take them down just like a good spy would. Yeah. Was my takeaway. But, yeah, I mean, definitely a bigger play could be coming up. Yep. Adam, you think there's something bigger happening with, with this possibility oh i think just yeah it all as cheryl said it's just the villain just being thorough he he needs to know all the information he can to bring down really the power in that particular area of the galaxy um because they're clear like the chiso to him are clearly up to something and he needs to find out and in the chaos like hyperspace travel and doing it safely and navigating is seems to be the most important thing um so if you either find a better way to do it or take away your enemy's ability to, to do it, then mm -hmm. it's like cutting off a supply line, right? Like yeah. you have already won. Yeah. If you can figure out how they do it, that's, and it's with how secretive and how protective the Chiss are of their Skywalkers. Like I can only imagine how much the proverbial shit would hit the fan. Like that's if, that's, if, let's look at, let's if look one at of the, them gets the, kidnapped or taken or something hmm. like that, like, oh my gosh, right? Or and if he even just if he takes away their ability to travel, let's look at the High Republic and how the galaxy the lesser space couldn't travel under Chancellor So's ruling and how like the economy started to fall apart. Uh you know, this one it all it just they need it to survive. Mm -hmm. They need to be able to travel safely. They need it to be able to maintain their power. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick, I'm going to come to you with this next question. We're going to talk about Lakuvi for a minute. 
Um, literally everyone else in his... Actually, first, let me ask you this. The last time you tried to jump on this uh, podcast two weeks ago, you said you hadn't read all the chapters. You did read all this, right? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay, good. <laughs> Just making sure. Well, way to, ca- way to call out a mate. You know. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, I hadn't called anyone out today yet, so... <laughs> Oh, man, no. Well, I want to talk about Lukumi. Uh, literally everyone else in the family is calling him on his idiocy. He's sharing so many secrets with Hapliff, and then he gets kidnapped. Like, he, he kidnaps the Patriarch. Like, insane. I did not see that coming. Is he just blinded by ambition? Like, what is going on in this dude's head? Like, it just seems too easy. He's, like, grim- criminally genius and insane at the same time. Okay. Like, he's one of those people, like, he could be a genius. He could be a moron. I don't know. That line is really thin. Yeah. Like, what do they say? The line between love and hate is very iffy. Same between that line between stupid and smart. Mm. Yeah. It it really is. If you want to think about it, it's like genius and moron are right. I'm going to go with moron. I was going to say, somebody pluck a hair and that's the line right there. Yeah. Yeah. Adam, what do you think? Is, Is he blinded by ambition? Yeah, I, I think I look at him as just very, just very tunnel minded. He just he has one goal and that's it. And there's he'll do whatever it takes to get what he wants, despite it just being the dumbest plan ever. Like you can't keep her in there. What's he going to do? Kill her? Eventually, she's going to come out. Right. It's all going to fall apart. Like, yeah, like <laughs> he he didn't think about the second and third step. So like Jixtus, yeah. Jixtus is the comic event villain where there's like. 100 comics that go into him. Yeah. Lukumi's like the one shot, the idiot villain. <laughs> mm, <laughs> like the build up villain. Yeah, there you go. He's, he's the mini boss. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mike, Mike said that he just thought he had the big dumb. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cheryl? Yeah, like this is what happens when you have someone who has too much lofty ambition and greed and is easily manipulated. Like, yeah. he's no match for a spy, an infiltrator like Hapliff, and he just gets blinded at the prospect of glory and money. He's an easy mm. mark, mm-hmm. and he, yeah, he, he just, just ignores the red flags of, of what is, like, because everyone else who looks at this is like, you fell for that? You know, like, <laughs> and he was just, uh, he, was, he was just an easy mark, that's for sure. Yes. Yeah. In a way, just... Just a politician, right? Just you know he believes politician. in so many random conspiracy theories. Like, <laughs> like he's got posters oh, up on his wall. He's trying. Oh, he, he's he, got he, the murder board. He's board up. On. <laughs> Yeah, he one hundred percent watches Alex Jones on a daily basis. <laughs> he's a trip. He's a trip. That's for sure. And I think I agree five dollars. He stormed the Capitol. I got uh, five dollars. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he's taking people hostages, so, uh, like, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with Mike. He definitely has the big dumb. Um, And someone who, not that I would think necessarily that he would have the big dumb, but I'm, I'm pretty, like, interested in how this particular part of the story is playing out. We, we, we need to talk about Lacro for a minute. So, he reached out to his cousin in, in the last section that we read, and now we hear that this cousin knows about Thrawn... And is going to try to get the brooch to him. Cheryl, I'll, I'll start with you. Like, do you think that this is plausible? Like, would Thrawn's taste for art be on that kind of display, like, to random Chiss families outside of his circle? Like, I can see it, but I don't know. I'd like to get your thoughts on it. 
I see Thrawn's victories kind of making him a bit of a celebrity in circles, particularly to those who pay attention to military victories. Mm. I mean, that's what the Chiss want, right? Yeah, Glory for the family name. So I can see how the myth could be like, look at our exceptional military strategist. He uses art to interpret mm. physiological blind spots like and post some articles about him and stuff like that. So, I mean, like, look at us with our Wikipedia articles in yeah. real life. Like, we can look up a plethora of information of people at the, if we want to. Like, we can know a lot about a person with a search plug. So I I would imagine that some of the chists would be able to do the same thing with Trump. Yeah, I, I thought very similarly um, how, like, a lot of people knew that Ruth Bader Ginsburg loved going to the opera. Like, that kind of a thing um, for those that, you know, kind of followed American politics and the Supreme Court. Like, if you have an interest in, and you're really interested in it, like, you're going to you're going to know some, some things. Um, and the fact that it brought him victory for the Chiss. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. That It's really cool. Um, I'm loving that the small time guys like could actually be saving the day like on this whim. Um, Adam, you know, you mentioned that this could have been maybe your favorite part of the book, you know, a couple of weeks back. Like you love this particular section, this possible arc. Like what do you make of these small, small time guys like possibly saving the day here? <clears throat> I think that we should just move away from Thrawn and start getting some books titled Lacfro, and I'd be ready for that. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Honestly, yeah, we're all, we all we just the just the idea of someone that you can maybe put yourself in their kind of shoes, like many of us. Like I know for one, I'm not going to be on some kind of Thrawn level. I like to I'd be the small guys watching it happen and who may influence it in some way. So I think Lacfro is like the reader in a way. His family are the readers, and they're just watching it unfold, but then just throwing little things out there and just keeping the story moving forward. Mm-hmm. So. I can just, I can imagine. Lack fro for a patriarch. Just yeah, I, I can imagine the cousin <laughs> just being like, like if if all goes well, right? If all goes well, mm. I can just imagine him being like, I did that. That's me. I did that. <laughs> Holding it over Lack fro oh. for the rest of his life. <laughs> and, 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 and like his... Lackfrost watches like, all right, we get it. You've told the story like 50 times today. <laughs> Please go to the backyard. <laughs> Patrick, Patrick, you uh, you rooting for the small time guys here? Um, as a Manchester United fan, no. <laughs> I root for United and I'm rooting for the Lakers in the NBA playoffs. So, nope. Get them out of here. I'm all here for the TV ratings. <laughs> Class of the Titans, baby. Okay, fair enough. I, I would kind of think, None. you know, after after Liverpool gave it to you a couple weeks ago, I figured that, uh, you know, you might we you might don't feel care. some. We were resting. We're <laughs> and, to, and to be fair, Patrick, there's been a few times over the last few seasons that Manchester United have maybe been the little guy. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. I thought he would have some sympathy there. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we haven't beat Everton and Liverpool this year, back to back games. All right. So oh, no, he's as we close this again. section, <laughs> Cheryl, what are your thoughts? Yeah, <laughs> small time guys. That's part of that's part of the great story. I yeah. think we we may not see ourselves in characters like Thrawn or Arlani, like Adam said, but maybe we could see ourselves in someone like Lacfro, like someone who's underestimated just because they are a rancher. When in reality, we all have a part to play, and we are all valuable contributing members of society. That every man can be just as important as the military commander and his yeah. motivations are proper and he's kept his head about him. So he yeah. hasn't ignored those red flags and he has trusted his gut. 
Yeah, Lacfro is almost like a New Hope Luke before he knows he's a Jedi, right? Like, just just wants to do sure, things. Sure, but how about just having an awesome character that's not a Jedi? Mm. Yeah, that's fair, too. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Plus, he's, like, less whiny by about a thousand percent. Exactly. <laughs> he's very grumbly, though. <laughs> he might not be whiny. He's, he's I like grumbly. him because he's he's distrustful of people who have the wrong motivations. Yeah. And I like that about him. Yeah, he's very perceptive, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a very big fan of like he's just his attitude whenever he has to speak to the counselor's assistant. You know, he just says, I'm not here for your shit. He, he embodies <laughs> you to a T. Black Fro for days. Black Fro for days. All right. Well, as we close up this section, what, Patrick, or I'll start with you, favorite moments, favorite characters from this week? she got yeeted out of the airlock you, you would <laughs> <laughs> you crazy madman you would what did Ludacris say baby go <laughs> <laughs> oh man favorite moment oh, is Yomi getting yeeted what a <laughs> savage human being you are we are no longer family friendly this is wrong with it <laughs> <laughs> and was it NSFW? Was that or PG thirteen? Or are we rated R? I don't know. I think it, I think if 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 we're gonna be a show that is pro yeeting dead bodies out of an airlock, I think we're gonna come with a hard R. <laughs> uh, so All right. only be, that's only MA in Australia when you go R there. I'm just saying, be careful when you say hard R. That means a different thing over here, Timothy. <laughs> You're right. Oh God. Adam, I I hope that you have a little bit more respect for our girl Yomi. Uh, what was your favorite moment, or do you have a favorite character this week? <laughs> I naturally enjoyed Lackfro's continuation of yeah. this story. Just these little moments that just will have this just huge effect on the galaxy. Well, that's what I'm hoping anyway, because like that brooch is incredibly important. Surely that is. A part of the story so that's what i'm hoping to see with um lacfro um and like the, the yeeting will become part of the moment but yeah. like hatleaf like we thought he was just kind of like but in a way i thought he would be hands off i thought that he would destroy things from a distance but like he has the ability to like just be just actually you choke life out of it. hands off and all he's done is put his hands on people this whole book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, I just didn't think that, I thought, you know, he, yeah. he just seems like who who would get someone else to do that for him. I, I hear you. And yeah. like, you know, and not only that, but like, because he didn't want to get his hands dirty like that, but also the power of telling someone else to do that. Yeah, I got you. I got you. He's uh, willing to cross that line in like a heartbeat. Like, it, I remember reading it just went from Zero to a hundred yeah. in within a few sentences. Yep. Timothy, you forget the idea of having minions and, you know, um, what else are they called? Like, um, dang it, I'm losing all my all my words today. But yeah, the ability to have someone do stuff at your whim is such a flex. It is a flex. <laughs> it's a huge flex. And he decides that it's not worth it. He's going to take matters into his own hands. Brutal. Exactly. Um, I will close. I mean, he helped wipe out a planet, so. Yeah. He, he got his kicks uh, doing that on his own. Um, I will list my favorites, and then I will close with Cheryl. Um, my favorite moments so far have been following Lakinda 
um, just because I find her predicament to be so fascinating and I want to see how it all shakes out. Um, I think it was a couple weeks ago that we had um, the conversation about, you know, can she actually achieve glory for her family and, and what does that look like to kind of make it in her eyes? Um, and I'm, I'm really interested to see how that ends um, in particular. And then I, I was also a huge fan of the Thrawn and Thalia's conversation uh, where she reveals that she had that conversation with the patriarch. And I loved Cheryl's input on that. Cause I think it kind of unlocked a little something extra for me. Um, so that is always super cool and exciting. Um, and anytime that we get them just I don't, like natural, it was a natural conversation. Um, and it not forced at all. There was no extra strategy. They were just talking. Um, and I think that's, that's really cool. We don't see very often from, from our boy Thrawn. So Cheryl, how about you? Favorite moments, favorite characters? Yeah, definitely the moment between Thrawn and Thalius just talking it through and Thrawn maybe realizing, right, take take a time to step back from work mode and yep. talk about it with a friend. And just that whole moment was great. Um, and yeah, Lockfro, definitely. I like it. Like, he's him trying to get that brooch to Thrawn is such a pivotal thing. Mm. So, uh, yeah, my pro for the win. Yeah. Just going out on a whim and, and hopes that, that it'll do something. So, mm-hmm. and we'll they find out if it does next week. So excited. Well, thank you to everyone for participating and listening in on Contra Book Club. It has been a ridiculous episode. Thank you so much for being along for a ride. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk through Thrawn Ascendancy, Greater Good, chapters 21 through 26. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at Contra Book Club. I am on Twitter at underscore T Guthrie. Adam is at DarkstarAU. And Patrick is on Discord and he's on Discord at Mac11. And he is now officially on Twitter at Drunkle Pat. So make sure you go give him a follow. It's my favorite thing in this the history of the show. Uh, so go give Patrick a follow on Twitter at DrunkleBat. Uh, you can also follow the Utini Podcast Network account at Utini Network for updates on all of our shows, including exclusive Patreon releases. A special shout out to our guest this week, our good friend Cheryl Bell. Um, you can find her in the Discord community at Cheryl with the blue butterfly and on Twitter at Cheryl K Bell. If you want to support the show, consider leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. It'll help people find us and hopefully join our incredible community. You can also pick up the books that we read on utini.com. Just look up the books you're interested in, click on one of our affiliate links on the profile page, and you'll help keep us on the air and produce some more awesome content. You will find links to Greater Good and June's book, The Age of Republic Limited Comic Series, in the show notes and pinned to our chat in the Discord channel. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon or pick up some merch at utini.com forward slash merch. A special thank you to Sally and Chris Eilerson, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, and Freddie C., Freddie C in the chat on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier and Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support and shout out to Adam, Patrick and Cheryl podcasting with me today. May the force be with you, everyone. Get out. Yeet. Yeet. <laughs>